This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative, and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host Sam, and today we are discussing the Enchiridion by Epictetus. Epictetus was born as a slave around 58 AD. After gaining his freedom, he decided to dedicate his life to philosophy and opened a school in north of Greece. He didn't write himself, but most of his knowledge was written down by his students, in particular by Arian. And so the Enchiridion, or the handbook, is a practical guide to life and is one of the founding documents of the Stoic philosophy stream. What uh, was your impression of the book, Sam? I liked it. It was useful lessons to be learning about and kind of digesting as information. It was quite short and mainly just sort of like rules for life of ways to do things. So if you try and just sort of read it all really quickly, you kind of just like one point, then the next point, then the next point. And it's better to kind of digest these things a bit more. So like having a reason to chat with someone like what we're doing right now or making some notes so read one and then ponder it for a while the whole book it's not quite so like just read this quickly and you'll get like this one main overriding theme so brilliantly it was good it's a breath of fresh air for me uh yes after the last book the last book was about 15 hours of listening and this one was an hour yeah yeah, it was like 15 hours of listening to get the four points that you sort of quite liked whereas it was like every point was good and (laughs) and it was short and that was that yeah i mean i've noticed the books we've been reading there's like two types of books one of them is similar to what's it called Uh, finite and infinite games or the bed of procrustes by nasim taleb where there's like short points and and it's written in bullet point kind of way and you need to do some active thinking not everything is is laid out for you to to easily digest and get into your brain and i found that these books are not ideal to be listening to in audio form and i would say that these books are very good toilet books (laughs) or bedside books i would guess anyway on to the content of the book so i think most of all of his principles are gathered around one main concept that is the dichotomy of control and so epictetus says that some things are in our absolute control like our thoughts our decisions our actions our likes and dislikes and other things are not in our control like our body or what others think of us our position in life our properties etc and so we should actually only be bothered by things that we can control and we should absolutely avoid being bothered by things that are outside of our control. So only things that are in our control are good or bad or could consider to be good or bad. And everything outside of our control is indifferent. So we shouldn't worry about them. And I think, yeah, this is, I guess, very, very important takeaway in daily life. People get so agitated and they're driving and someone does something stupid. You get so angry, but that anger really doesn't help yourself. It's not helpful at all. It's actually counterproductive to your happiness. So Exactly. And so if you're kind of trying to be the happiest person which you are, which you usually are, you should focus more on like, okay, how can I still be happy right now and rate how well you're doing based on these things rather than like, oh, I'm having a shit day because if someone's done something, it's like, oh, I'm having a shit day because I actually got affected by someone rather than that. That doesn't really matter. Yeah. And as an illustration of this, uh, Epictetus was known to have a lame leg, which isn't helpful. He also was known to be a slave, which usually doesn't make you very happy in life. But still, he decided not to let that get to him because that was out of his control and he would only focus on what was inside his control. You'd think that this kind of philosophy would be most 
popular with people who didn't mm. have a lot. So with slaves who were just then able to say, okay, I'm a slave. I was basically born in a shitty life, but still I'm going to do my best not to let that affect us or affect me. But in the end, there were actually also emperors who followed this philosophy. So it found attraction with, well, everyone in every mm. part of life. Well, yeah, if you've got the time to think about why you're being happy or not, it's probably helpful. You can imagine being a more effective mm. emperor if you were more controlled by yourself than your emotions because you might be a bit of an idiot and annoy people and do the wrong things as in when things are going well i think it doesn't really matter so much where you get your happiness from and stuff but when things go wrong that's kind of where your test of character is and to be an emperor you kind of need to have a good character to deal with these things you'd imagine it's a good point because i, I was trying to reflect on my reactions to uh, very emotional moments in my life and how i dealt with them and how i could have dealt with them if i had had the stoic mindset but to be honest i don't think i've yet had like a major mm. emotional setback or something very very bad happening to me so I, I couldn't really think about how i reacted and how i should have reacted following the stoic mindset so it was quite difficult for me to really place myself in that position yeah but there's still one of the good things about like, the Vipassana was sort of, you can kind of examine some of like the big things, but also just the core things of just like small things that like annoy you at an everyday level that you don't even notice annoy you because it's just so part ingrained of your mentality that it's just like you being you as a normal human. It's like, it's your right to kind of be a bit annoyed by this thing. I mean, like, we have like the classic example of driving. So I feel there's, there's so many random small things that make you you. And you can like read books like this and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to be more happy. But like, it can still just be like a little thing that some someone might say and you will notice yourself being a bit annoyed by it and then like when you start like thinking about it on a deep level you're like wait how could i not be annoyed by this like annoying thing even though it's like it's not that big and you start like breaking all those things down and really working out like who the hell you are and like, it takes some time but like reading all this stuff does just help you think a bit more when you happen to be in the right frame of mind when something happens absolutely actually you talked about vipassana i saw a lot of uh, yeah, parallels with definitely. buddhism and in general it, it reinforced my feeling that most philosophies and religions and ways of life in the end boil down to very similar things where we as humans like we're designed to live in another yeah. world than we live in right now since you know we became sedentary etc and most of these ideas or ways of life try to help us in deal with that, I guess, and be more happy or more content and more useful in general as a human being. That's quite interesting. What are some other takeaways you had from the book? It was mainly the control thing. That was like the overriding mm -hmm. big one of just like most examples felt like somehow led into that, like limiting your desires and aversions. So you're just focusing more on like what you have and being happy with what you've got rather than constantly wanting different things so that's basically the same principle <laughs> no but it's true everything boils, yeah, yeah. It comes from that right and so one of the parallels he draws is with car players and in our case i think we can look at poker players for example poker players they get dealt a hand and what they do is it doesn't really matter what their cards are they just try and make the best of them and that's what, how he looks at life like okay you get born in a certain situation you have certain genetics i mean you might be athletic or you might not be athletic you might be smart you might not be smart you might be attractive you might not be attractive it doesn't really matter in the end you just need to work with what you have and make the best of it and it's up to you how happy you are it's up to you what you do with it and it's up to you to reach your maximum potential as a human being yeah definitely and so it's like an overriding focus on like your own actions sort of control what your perceptions are and where you get to in life and then kind of has a whole sort of section about like well character is key and like the form of who you are and being virtuous like the only thing that really matters and doing what is right and not being concerned by like other people yeah i think what his theory also does is it gives an answer to us when we don't feel like doing something we don't want to do like every day we look up against doing something we don't really want like cleaning the house for example or doing the dishes and whatever and so i think he tries and give an answer to this 
by saying, look, your house needs to be cleaned. The universe needs it done or the universe needs you to do it. And it's up to you how you look at the tasks at hand. And it's up to you how to handle those and how you feel while doing the tasks. I think changing your mindset so that like you feel that resisting a temptation is more satisfying than indulging it because of which exactly. you just being like, oh, I want this. And then you get it. And certainly in our modern day where we're kind of used to things instantly on demand, you're very used to just having what you want. And that's why you get so addicted to your phone or something, because as soon as you're a bit like unsure what to do, you just like, you know, that your phone will be there to like give you something to do. And when you sort of start resisting these temptations, that's where you get to the greater achievements in your life and have the good ideas and do mm-hmm. useful stuff. Exactly. What did you think of the parallels he made between your wife and your child and the way you should look at them? What he says in the handbook is that you should not look at your wife and child as them being your wife or child, but look at them as human beings. So when you kiss your wife, you're not kissing your wife, you're kissing a mortal. And so so Epictetus says that you should learn to love things without feeling entitled to them, without clinging to them. And that will make it easier for you when change happens and either like they pass away or they get sick, etc., or you separate and so on. I, I had a discussion about this with my girlfriend and I wasn't explaining it too well. So we yeah, yeah, it's one of these things that's like totally true, but can be offensive to people. And the same as in, I've always been this way around like death and stuff. Like, I don't really get too sad about it because I'm like, well, this person loved me and I love them. They'd be pretty annoyed if I spent the next like year just moping around being depressed and like wasting my life. Like what they want is me to be happy and joyful. Exactly about that. I had a discussion with my girlfriend. Like, what if someone dies? Like, how should you, you react? And if you think about them, not as, as like, not in relation to yourself, but just as a human being and a mortal and mortals are going to die. It makes it way easier for you to handle it. But then if you don't express emotions when something bad happens, it's you indeed, you seem like you're cold and it's like unrespectful in a way. But then is it disrespectful to not be sad when someone dies because they don't exist anymore, etc.? So it was a whole conversation and discussion about that. Yeah, but... And what did you think about you saying like, oh, so when you die, like, I mean, I won't mind too much. I'll be fine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's, yeah. But I mean, it was clear that I wasn't expressing the ideas well enough because in the book it's written way better. So I need to get it right in my head. I literally spoke about this with my therapist that I had for a while. When I first when we first went into like death and stuff, she genuinely had like a moment like, oh shit, you're autistic. I'm like, no, I'm not. It's fine. <laughs> you're not understanding me correctly. <laughs> and, then, and then she's like, oh, actually, yeah, no, okay, you're fine. You have emotions. You understand people. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a weird moment. But it kind of goes with, like, there's another overriding point of kind of just going with the flow, which is something I've always thought of in terms of you can kind of if you imagine you're going out to sea or something you can kind of ride the waves that life gives you or you can kind of try and fight them and do exactly what you want but you end up just making a mess because the waves are much more powerful than you and so like the things that happen in your life that you can't change happen you either you just deal with them and like ride the mm-hmm. direction that it's going or you can try mm-hmm. and fight it but you still end up making a mess and not really doing what it is that you want the whole like only change what you can inside and not changing mm-hmm. stuff that you can't change exactly i think here you can see how Epictetus influenced Nassim Taleb with this theory about anti-fragility where random big things happen and you should like know that, realize that. And it's about like setting up yourself to be ready for them when they happen instead of trying to anticipate them, which is the core of his, of his ideas. So basically remind yourself of the impermanence of things. Everything changes. Keep that in mind and you won't be so surprised when things actually change. One of the parallels that Epictetus also used quite a lot in his rules was that of a banquet. And so he compares life to a banquet. And so he said that if there's food somewhere else and you're at the banquet, don't go and chase the food. If the food is in front of you, grab it and like take a modest amount. But if the food passes by, don't try and ask mm. for it uh, actively. Basically, the, the principle was be modest and don't splurge on 
on these kind of things. And so this is one of the things that I, I can definitely use in my own life. Yeah, I'm pretty bad at this uh, when I, it comes to food. <laughs> exactly. Like if, as soon if, as like a new thing comes out, if you're like a networking event, like, shit, I have to go eat the thing. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly, yeah, I think um, like my um, sister's husband's very good at just making a decision instantly and just sticking with it. So like if he goes to a restaurant, if he's got like a long menu or something, he'll get to the first page. If he sees something he likes, he'll just close it and like he'll order the first thing that he likes. And you're like, but there's like 10 more pages. There might be something better. What are you doing? And I'm like, Whoa. and it's incredible how he can just be like, yeah, I'm happy and just be happy. And you're like, I just can't do that. I just have to know everything. And I feel sad because I'm like, there's 10 different things that I want. And like, I don't, like, I don't know which one's the best choice to make. And then like, I sort of... <laughs> spend the next 20 minutes panicking like do I want this one or do I want that one I don't know maybe this mm-hmm. one's better perhaps like there's going to be like a big amount of all these things in the salad so it'd be better but it'd be really shit if they just give me a small, small salad which often they do at a restaurant mm-hmm. I said other thing would be nice but like maybe it won't and like I don't know and I'll have to yeah. wait the questions and then it won't help me at all <laughs> it made me think of the experiment that was done on the horse race bookmakers where they were given the choice like they can get 10 characteristics of mm. horses and use that to predict the winner of the race and they had certain percentage of accuracy and then when they received 10 additional characteristics they actually their accuracy went down and so more information is not always helpful and in this case it's like some weird practical mm. yeah same when if i go to like a buffet or something like it says so you just end up with like a plate with like one spoon of every single different meal and you don't really have a meal as such whereas like if i was somewhere where they just gave me the one thing and it was really good and i'd just been outside all day and i was kind of hungry and like that was just what was served like that was the one thing that evening i'd probably be super happy but spend my whole time mm. running around the buffet trying to eat different things it is silly and it's the same with life and i could try doing like many different things probably be happier with less indeed all right. One other surprising way of thinking I got from the book where something happens, for example, someone in your life dies or you win the lottery, etc. You should think about how you would react if this happened to someone else. And that is actually the same way you should react when it happens to you. So let's say someone else's child dies. Of course, you feel some sadness, but in the end, the way you think about it is, okay, life is like this. So bad things happen. People get sick. Uh, they pass away. And But if it happens to yourself, you immediately go into the uh, self-pitying mode where, ah, oh, this is the worst thing that could happen to me. I'm so unlucky. This is, this is horrible. And so Epictetus argues that you should try and think about your own life and everything that happens to you the same way you would look at it if it happened to someone else. Of course, it's easier said than done, but I guess it will help you whenever something really bad happens to you. Yeah, definitely. goes into a lot of like the Buddhist parables and things as well. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think which ones we've discussed, if any come. But yeah, there's some good... Mm-hmm books actually on Buddhism we could read <laughs> but yeah it's a very good principle and, and on the dual ways and one for yourself to not be so caught up in your emotions and secondly to be a nicer human to others because often like when someone wins a lottery or something you feel a bit jealous you're like oh, why did that happen to them and not me but if you could be happy for them that's great and when someone dies and you kind of don't really give them the time of day and they're having like a shit day because of like the worst things happened to them in the world like it's nice if you could be a bit nicer to them so these things are kind of useful uh, have you heard like the parable of the Chinese farmer and like the horses? So there's like a Chinese farmer and one day his horse runs away and everyone in his village is like, oh, this is so terrible. We're so sorry for you. You've lost like your horse. It's like the most important thing. You need to like pull your farm equipment and stuff. And he's like, ah, oh, it's okay. Maybe it's bad. Maybe it's good. And then the next day the horse comes back with three other horses that it, it met in the wild and stuff and then everyone's like oh my god it's so amazing you've got like so many horses you're gonna have the best life for the rest of your life everything's wonderful and he's like i don't know i guess it's okay whatever <laughs> and then the next day his son is trying to train these wild horses and he falls over and 
falls off and like breaks part of his back or something and it's terrible and everyone's like oh this is the worst thing ever your life is like, so sad for you and he's like oh well and then the next day because there's a great war going on in china the officials come to recruit all the young healthy men and so all the young healthy men go to basically get slaughtered in this war and his son is still at home and is slowly recovering from his injury and the point is like you can't control what's going on in life you can just sort of be a bit more passive and not like so emotional about the whole thing because of it's not always going in the direction you expect it to be and probably much more sensible if you just sort of chill out a bit more and, and things. So mm-hmm. it kind of relates directly to all of these things that this book's been saying. Very nice story. Yeah, I mean, all over the world, people were struggling with the same things and uh, trying mm-hmm. to find answers, like different ideas and different principles, but the core of it is always the same, very similar. All right. Well, one final point I'd like to make was the one where how you respond to people insulting you. And so basically, Epictetus says that if you learn that someone speaks ill of you, respond with, yes. Absolutely. I fully agree. And he doesn't even know half of it because he could have said way more. I love that bit. I found that super strong because if you think about it, like if someone tries to insult you um, and says something bad to you and you're like, Whew, man, you should know the reality. It's like even way worse than this. Then it shows like it immediately disarms the person trying to insult you because you're not insulted. And you sh- it shows that you don't care about what they think or how they speak of you. And it's something that I'm personally very bad at. Like I always get to emotionally attached to these kind of opinions, whatever people, whatever people think of me. And I think if you were able to really use this strategy, it's going to be very, very strong. Definitely would have been very helpful if I understood this more as a child. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, little things that can annoy you back then. Whereas like mm-hmm. now I just wouldn't give like a crap about the whole thing. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, why did I even get annoyed about someone calling me Samantha? I mean, maybe I could call myself Samantha. I wouldn't even mind <laughs> being a woman. I'd be fine. And I go, <laughs> uh, exactly. If you said that, yeah. they'd be like, what? <laughs> Yeah, it's a strong strategy. I mean, here in Belgium, we have one famous stand-up comedian who is actually, I think the, the good term is now a little person. And so like half of his jokes are about that. Like he mm. just makes fun of himself and it makes you like way more relatable, way more likable. And no one's going to be able to use that as an insult to you. So mm. it's literally like being offended is literally the choice of the offended person. Because it says most about the person like saying the offense like for example being racist says more about the person who is racist than it says about the person who is i think the victim of the racism and i've I've actually had a discussion about this with my girlfriend i had the impression that in this politically correct world and these days whenever you say something you have to think about what is the worst way this what i'm saying to be perceived as opposed to when you hear something which is offensive people are entitled to perceiving it in the worst way instead of thinking, okay, what is the best way this could be meant? Definitely. So annoying. It's just really frustrating when people get offended. But it's, it's so hard to explain to people this principle when they're in the process of getting offended and you're like, oh, no, you're offending yourself. I didn't mean that at all. What are you doing? And you're like, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, and it does yeah. just make it worse if someone is prone to these things. And, yes. and like the age-old maxim, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt you kind of thing. It's like pretty much <laughs> summarizes this book in many ways. Mm. And it's a good one to take on. I think people have their own opinions and they can be idiots or great, but why should that affect you so much? Exactly. So... To conclude, there are a lot of things outside of your control. Just realize that they're outside of your control and focus on what is inside your control. Basically, Mm. your opinions, your actions, your likes and dislikes. And if you focus on that and make the best of it, you'll be happy and satisfied and a useful human being. Yeah. Let's go into, I think we discussed this last book when he speaks about his mother in the book before and how he was explaining like his dad was like maybe a more angry human than most men. And yet many men like beat their wives, but his mum 
was like more accepting of the situation beforehand and sort of didn't like make problems for herself. And now I'm not going to explain this point properly. But I was just sort of thinking a whole like, <laughs> as we're talking about this, it's sort of like, well, what about like feminism and racism and things that should be changed and <laughs> this stuff? Because if we're just saying that people mm. should accept words, it's like not the best in this situation. I think this book doesn't really motivate like activism. Yeah, yeah it's definitely the anti version, like the Rebecca Solnit book of like, hey, <laughs> people might not listen and they're going to be idiots, but you should still like, live the life exactly. trying to change the world this book is more about okay so many things are outside of your control so i think maybe the way you could use this book in kind of that setting as a first step learn to realize that like people are stupid and you don't have control over them so as, as a first step like learn to be okay with that you know to deal with these kind of things and as a second step you can then try and change other people or help them do the same th similar things i guess definitely but yeah you shouldn't get angry or be annoyed by anyone, but like, it's good to feel that anger and like use that as a force for change if it's going to help improve the world. Exactly. Well, one, one of the fun things of the book I found was that he was greatly influenced by Socrates. And so he made quite a lot of references to him. And so at the, the end, those sort of last rule talks about Socrates. And so when he died, basically he died with a smile on his face because dying wasn't or living wasn't in his, in his control. But what was in his control was the way he reacted to his death, which was smiling. And so we as humans, we always have a choice. Whatever happens to us, we always have the choice of how to like deal with it. And so it's fun that we read Socrates before, because mm. you can then see how Socrates influenced Epictetus. And you can kind of see like some 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 connections there. And so it's definitely. I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to having read all of these because I've had references to the different Stoics and things like Nicholas Lev's books and other things where they like, oh, and there's a point from this guy, and you're like. They'll sort of explain the point briefly, but it's not the same as having read the whole book and be like, ah, this is exactly who Socrates is because he's that guy. Um, mm -hmm. That's nice to mm -hmm. actually have it. So we will continue our quest on understanding the ancient philosophers and thinkers. Exactly. And on that, we review the book quickly. Yes, go ahead. I feel like I'm always sort of overrating things a bit. <laughs> I guess like, I'm going to say six because it's got lots of good points in it. It just is a device to make you a smarter person. I just didn't feel it was the most well-written in that sense. So you need to kind of spend a lot more time with each concept, whereas he didn't fill it with parables, like the one I just said, that's like much more memorable and like kind of teaches you philosophy. And when someone's doing something, you can kind of say that to them and like they'll be like, oh yeah, that's what you're thinking. Whereas trying to sort of just say, oh, rule X does this, comes across a bit more bland. So I think he could have done a much better job in that, although it's really cool things that he was thinking back then and useful. So I kind of give people a higher rating just because of for the times and stuff. So maybe I should say five. I'm going to say five. All right. Fully agree. I think this is one of those books that you need to study more than just read, as opposed to, for example, books by Taleb, where it's filled with examples and practical applications, etc., where you can like get the point just by listening to it. You really need to do an active effort to get the points, understand them, and see how you can apply them to your own, to your own life. That being said, it was, I think the book was a very big step forward from the, the previous one that we read. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to, in conclusion, agree with you, Sam, and uh, also give it a five. Cool. All right. So I think that concludes the episode. In the next one, we will be discussing books by Epicurus and more in particular, The Principal Doctrines. So it's going to be short rules. We'll do some extra reading and we'll be discussing that next week. So, yeah. See you then. Cool. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to our podcast. As you know, we are doing this to try and help you get smarter. Well, I have another project for podcast listeners just like you who want to be smart. Nico and I learned so much from reading the same things together and discussing them, and I wanted there to be a tool that made it easy for anyone to listen to the same podcasts and books together with their friends.
So I'm building the app Syncify, which does just that. It connects you with your friends in the app. Listen to the same things at the same time. Or create shared playlists and work through them at your own pace. You can share comments and highlights of your favorite bits. And become smarter by seeing what your friends think around the same content that you enjoy. As a bonus, it also helps with your mental health and reduces isolation. Personally, I hate publishing my life on social media, which I find all rather antisocial, and I don't go out of my way to phone a friend for no reason other than the fact I feel lonely. But I do love doing things with other people, and having my friends listen to the same things is, is really awesome. I mean, I used to speak to Nico like once a year before we started this book club together, and now we talk all the time because we're just doing something together. So do yourself a favour and sign up for the Syncify app at syncifyapp.com and I really hope it helps thanks a lot for listening if you enjoyed the show or learned anything new be sure to share it with your friends and I just can't tell you how great it is if you were to happen to leave a review on iTunes these really do help quite a lot if you have any questions or books that you'd like us to read feel free to reach out to us through the website wiserpod.com or reach out to us on LinkedIn. And just keep loving and keep learning, and ideally, keep listening. Big love from Sam and Nico. And the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Wiser.